hours every weekday covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. 101.9, we are back as we do every Monday between 2 to 3 where we discuss education. We discuss how can we uh, influence the world, how can we be better people. What's happening around the world in educational um, studies? Uh, what, what, what can we learn? What, what can we achieve for ourselves, for our families, for people around us? What are we able to grow with and influence other people? Last week... Uh, we had a very interesting conversation. I've had here in studio a psychologist, Heidi Bohm, and one of the things we discussed was a new decision of the World Health um, of the World Health Organization that has uh, made a statement that computer games will be considered as a mental disease, which means addiction, sorry, not computer games, addiction to computer games will actually be go into the medical books as uh, an addiction, as a disorder, as a mental disease. And many people came back to me and said, after the show, and said, really? I think you're exaggerating. I mean, yeah, we know computers are not good, we know games are not so bad, but to name it and label it as a disease, as an addiction, as something that's way beyond normal, you're probably just exaggerating. So since that was the comment and that was the answers, I've had a solution. I asked Nikki Merkin, who is, who's been here on the show before. Nikki, Mer- Nikki is um, a speech therapist, but well-known in the community, not only for being a sp- uh, speech therapist, but actually um, counselor, director, uh, gr- running groups, in relatively in organizing uh, communication. Many groups of teaching teenagers and kids, and I, I would say probably also adults, but we'll hear from her soon, uh, how to communicate better, how to interact with each other, how to actually get um, a proper relationship running. And since that's her specialties, I wanted to hear from her. Do, does she really see the effect of isolating? Do we really see the difference between um, the kids today that are growing up with the computers, with the social media, with the, with, uh, um, the v- amazing opening to the v- uh, virtual world, are we different? Are they different to the kids we were, to the kids that grew up without all this stuff? And is it as bad as we are talking about it? Well into the holidays, not easy to come. Good afternoon, Nikki. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks. So let's just jump straight to the subject. As a a speech therapist who is invested a lot in running groups and and lectures and and therapy and everything to do with communication and relationships, I think you're the address here in the community. Um, Do you really see the damages of spending so much time in front of the computer? So Rabbi, thank you very much for the opportunity. And when you were giving me this opportunity, I said I have to take it because... I've experienced a lot of, um, I have a lot of emotions about this because, as you said in my work, I'm seeing a lot, a lot of damage that is very frightening to me as a therapist and as a teacher and even as a parent. If I look at the kids that I saw for therapy last year, I can even say that they are different to the kids that I'm seeing today. That is how frightening it is. You see a difference between the kids that you saw last year and the kids you're seeing this year? For sure. Wow. Difference in what? I am finding kids today a lot more jaded 
than I saw them even last year. As a therapist, I have to work much harder to entertain them. I have to be more exciting. I have to be um, more different, whatever new stuff I can bring in in order to catch their attention. I feel that the children today, are there are elements that they are unavailable for learning. That's wow. How, that's so you're, you're putting it in a very mm. extreme, um, powerful way. Right. Do, uh, and from the feedback that you're getting, I'm sure you tell it to your clients, to the parents, right. and the schools that you work with. Do are are is are the people kind of on the same page? When you speak to parents and you tell them, listen, the computer in your home is 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 a bomb. It, mm. it can change your child's life. It could make him a different person. It could affect his relationships. It could it could just change everything. Do people really realize what kind of tool the computer games are actually? I think we're all caught in it. I think me, myself, even with looking at my own phone, how it's an addictive thing for myself. So when I talk to parents, I think we all understand the, the, the power of this medium and how we all brought into it. And I think parents do. They realize it. I think they're experiencing a lot of frustration themselves. Um, but I think we're also busy running, running all the time so that the technology becomes an easy babysitter. So we like balancing this, this, the convenience of the game and the, the frustration of the, the, what's the word? The, the, frustra- the frustration, the need, yes, the actual need right, that we have. Right. So basically what you're saying, it's, it's a very interesting point. You're kind of saying that sometimes it's hard for us to see as parents, as educators, how bad the computer or social media really is mm-hmm. because we are, we don't want to pay the price. Right. And we know. caught into it ourselves. Right. And, and and we feel that better not to know than to actually deal with this um, tremendous difficulty. Right. Well, mm. okay. So so then uh, since, as you're saying, it's pretty much the reality is that, A, you are seeing differences from year to year, which is fascinating. B, that we are caught in it and it's part of our lives and we can't really avoid it or it's too hard for us to avoid it or it's mm. too much so maybe let's start talking a bit what are the differences that you actually see in children and what can we do about it okay. let's start with the actual differences so you mentioned the learning okay so they, I feel like they're very unavailable for learning I feel that as soon as a kid walks into my therapy room I can see straight away whether or not they have a phone there's almost wow. like a little bit of a jitter to, to their ability to be able to sit still and concentrate. It's they almost like floating out of the room. Okay. You can see that straight away. I'm seeing... Um, I, I have mm, to ask. Yes. I know maybe mm. I shouldn't be asking this on the radio. Do you see a difference when you have kids that come to you that um, keep Shabbos and you know that for 24 hours a week they're away from the phone and people that are not away ever from their phone? Do you see a difference? I can't say that. I, I wonder. I often think about that myself, but I wouldn't be able to say that okay. with the kids. Because I wonder mm. if just giving time away from the phone actually makes a change. Right. I can see the kids that are not allowed phones at schools and the kids that are allowed phones at schools. That the phone is definitely, when kids are not allowed phones at schools, it's almost something that they switch off and they leave it somewhere else for that time period. But when they are allowed phones at schools, the phone goes wherever. It's, it's, it's part of it's who they are. There's never time. Right, okay. right. That's actually a question I would love to send out to the listeners. Mm. Unfortunately, our internet's down right now, so we can't um, get messages, but we'll get back to that maybe. Um, so, so okay, so you see that the, the being attached, being available is something very uh, strong that you can see Definitely. with the kids. What else? 
I'm seeing a lot of um, what we call like this delay of gratification. So in a healthy relationship, a person needs a sense of self-control, a, self of self, a sense of self-awareness, ability, ability to be able to delay gratification, to manage frustration. I'm seeing a lot of kids, because of this almost hyped-up um, connection that they're having with, with the video games and the computer games, that this ability to stop and think and make a choice is definitely affected. In a healthy relationship, that is so important. I, mm. I, I have to say, yeah, it's... it's it's fascinating to what degree. Mm. Somebody told me that there's there are some games and video games and movies that you can watch, and if you want to download them from the from the internet, then either you pay a price, or you have to wait thirty seconds and you could see it for free, uh -huh. or a minute. And people actually pay right. because they don't want to wait thirty seconds for the ad to go away, which is fascinating. Crazy. That's okay. crazy. And if you think of a healthy relationship, all the time we're interacting with each other, one of the powerful elements is being able to stop and to delay that, that gratification, being able to manage your emotion, manage that frustration, manage that not getting what you need. So basically what you're saying is that impulsivity could kill a relationship. For sure. Wow. Okay, so we, we are touching on the difficulties. We have to take a, a short ad break. When we come back, we're going to maybe deal a bit more with the difficulties, but m mainly deal with what can we do? What can we help? What are the solutions for that? 101.9 High FM, High Chinook Thorabaji. With quick break, we'll be right back. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 High FM. So back to our conversation that we had right before. We're in the middle of the discussion about now that the World Health um, Organization has declared um, computer games as a mental disease when it becomes an, an addiction. I'm here in the discussion with Nikki Merkin, who is a speech therapist with a tremendous focus in profession regarding relationships, communicational skills. And uh, Nikki has mentioned a few difficult things that she's seen and as she said, she could see right away, as soon as she walks into a meeting, she could see if the child that has come into her um, what has a phone or does not have a phone, connected to the computer or does not connect to the computer. So, Nikki, so you've mentioned before, you, we've mentioned right before the break, the impulsivity, and we've mentioned the um, ability to learn and to concentrate. Mm -hmm. What else do you see that affects the child? Um, I think that a child who is involved with um, continuous computer games almost sees real life as boring. So they're so wow. used to all these graphic um, input all the time and the noises and the voices and everything, so that when they are involved with a normal, boring relationship, it's very unstimulating, it's very unsatisfying, and they're forever looking for this extra thrill that comes with the lights and the, and the colors. And I think normal relationships are boring. And Compared to computer, computer games. Computers, so so would, that um, be, would that be a, a lead into depression? I think uh, definitely on a long-term basis, I think you would see that, but definitely you've seen people living unsatisfying relationships. You know, when, when the relationship just talking and connecting and sharing is not exciting anymore. So then what right. is there left? And once well, the excitement is gone. Right. And that's a relationship that's even interesting. I'm thinking mm. of a teacher right. coming into a class trying to compete with a computer game. Good luck to him. She can't. There's mm. no way, or to her, there's no way in the world you could write a math program or, or difficulty on the board and say, this is at least interesting as a movie or a computer game. There's no way. For sure, and, and the, the scary thing is is that 
I've, teachers are complaining, they're struggling. So you can have excellent teachers who are struggling to reach their children. And let's be honest, what's real? Real is the classroom, that connection, that communication, that relationship. The video is an illusion. And so they're connecting to this illusion. Instead Mm. of real life. Right. Okay. Mm. Okay, so let's uh, move on a bit. So what can we do? Okay, so we see where the problems are. What can we do to uh, increase the, the... interest in the world to actually uh, um, be, avoid um, unbelievable impulsivity. What is there to do today? I think the most important thing is to be honest that this is what we're dealing with. I think the more we put our heads in the ground and pretend that it's not there, the more trouble we're going to make. So the first step in, or in any kind of relationship or any kind of connection is to, to have self-awareness. And this is the awareness that this is what we're dealing with and be real about it. Okay. The second thing then is is to be able to set limits in the family, in, in the home, so that, yes, this is what we're living at, and, and to deny your children this is, is dangerous. But in, if we Why could, is it dangerous? Because it's very hard to be the social outcast. So if everybody else has the phone or everybody else has a computer game. And then there's a price to it, obviously. Right, there's a price as well to be the, the one who has nothing. It right. also has its own challenges. But if we as parents can set the limits to say this is what's okay and this is what, not, which is what is not okay. And then the hard part then is to fill out, uh, fill up the not okay time. So if they're allowed between this and this hour, that's okay. That's okay. And then we can give the time to Right, it. and that's the time. But now how do we fill up the rest of that extra time which is more, probably about nine hours of the day. <laughs> right, so actually the next interview here on, right. the, on, the, today, on today's show is going to be uh, Ruven Tarko, who's actually a um, soccer coach, but he's, he's well into uh, physical work and, and to help us uh, work out the, the rest of the day of the plan. Mm. I actually want to ask you a question on a different level of dealing with it, because I have to say, I never told you this before, but um, uh, it was some time ago, that I met a very uh, a nice young boy, and I had a discussion with him. He had some difficulties, and he came to me, and, and I'm talking and talking and talking, and you know, events, and suddenly, while we're talking, it clicks, and he says, "Oh, you know what, Moroniki says? She says, make your imaginary box and put your emotions in it and control it that way." And he gave me a whole playout, which, and, and it was amazing to see. But he was using the illusional tools, right. and I'm wondering. And I, I kind of saw that through your work, instead of actually fighting the computer or fighting the video, you're using the, their tools into the relationship world, into the education world. How does that work? I think that we, we can't deny that it's there, and it is a tool. But mm-hmm. the same way that we want our kids to set the limits, we have to set the limits as ourselves. And yes, there are magnificent videos and magnificent clips that show emotional tools in a very visual way and I think they are very useful because this in a way is the medium of the children today so if we can find healthy ways to show them I think computer games and this this um, fantasy world is unhealthy but to actually use the medium to show real life role-playing real life people you know as you say the 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 box to show you how your emotions explode when, right. when you don't um, regulate them. That so that's kind of using your imagination and your illusion and, and, and just picturing through your imagination what's actually happening by you. Right. It's, it's a challenge. It's, it's, the balance okay. is very, very hard. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, it's, and that's, uh, however, that's a fascinating way of actually using uh, the tools that, social, that the, the video games and the computers are giving us to actually 
uh, adapt them to our day-to-day life. Right. Okay. So, so on a practical level, hmm. okay, let's, let's kind of move on and see what can a parent do when they feel that they're trapped. I have many times parents of teenagers come to me and they say, listen, on the one hand, we can't be um, the awkward one. We can't be the only child without the phone. We can't be the one that's not part of society. On the other hand, I see my child becoming more aggressive. I can watch my child becoming more impulsive. I can watch the addiction. I feel so trapped. What, what do you tell a parent like that? I sometimes feel like that myself, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, it's hard, it's very hard and I, and I think that what our children today are crying out for are emotional connection and I think if, that, if we are, are able to set aside time and set aside um, activities to do together as a family so that we're replacing that need that is coming from the video and is, is um, now filled by a healthy positive, enriching relationship and time with our parents, I think that's exactly what kids are are crying for. And so the first thing that I would tell a parent is, you know what, take out some time out with your child. Sit down, put away the phone, put away the the computer, and sit and play a game. Go for a walk. And Mm. and it's fascinating. I have to say that... um, you would expect that if you, you kind of, I don't know, you're reading a story to your child and you say, okay, uh, um, it's not that interesting, it's not happening, it's a, it's a book that I read my child 50 times. Um, they still like it. Mm-hmm. And, it can, and, and, and sometimes we could see that it's not just the, the knowledge that you're giving them, it's just the connection, the emotion, mm-hmm. as you're describing. And you can read uh, your child a bedtime story. 50 times the same book. I mean, we can't see it anymore as parents, but they can read the same and they say, no, I need to hear the story. And if you miss one word or one letter, they know exactly mm-hmm. what's missing. So it's not their knowledge that they're seeking. It's the relationship. It's the relationship. Right. And even with my own kids, if I see what, what, what they're struggling and I use the tools that I use together with my, with my own um, clients, I feel that straight away my kids relax. They, they become more flexible. They're more open to me. The more I cut off from them, the more I go into this other world of computers and phones, the less um, engaging they are. So it's, yeah. it's fascinating for me to see, even within my own family life, to see as soon as I use these skills and as soon as I focus on the relationship rather than um, filling the time, already the relationships become healthier straight away. Even if your kids know exactly what you're doing. They yeah. see you turn off the phone and say, okay, mommy's now putting on the phone because she's investing in our relationship. Mm-hmm. It still works, right. which is fascinating. Okay, so mm-hmm. what, what, can, what would you tell a parent that is now completely overwhelmed, holidays, some schools we have in the last week, some schools were in the middle of holidays, we're kind of stuck, kids are everywhere, we need something for them to do. It's hard. It's very hard. So I think the first thing is to actually structure the time. You know, okay. maybe... If there's, there's, a, there's a three weeks ahead of us, let's break down the time into different categories, okay? There'll be a time that we can go on the computers. There's a time that we'll go for a walk together. There's a time where we're going to do washing. <laughs> there's a time we're going to clean up your room. We're and kids ta- enjoy it eventually. For sure. And it's, and, it's, and it's almost calming for them because there's not like this empty time that has to be filled with, uh, with nothingness. It's almost... A beautiful it, holidays become a beautiful, enriching, connecting experience rather than a empty, <laughs> empty, a, empty hole, yeah. black hole, or empty of nothing. Right. So, let's let's mm. see what we can do about that. And I want you to, to share with us how would you um, approach 
um, a family meeting, a family discussion, a family time together. And I'll say many times um, when we say here on the radio, okay, make a structured day and then have time for family meals and have time for family outings. And then people will come back and say, well, we had the whole family around the table. Everybody was screaming and Mm -hmm. shouting in everybody's words. And it it was unsettling. How do we contain this ring of, of kids, of power, of family into actually understanding and hearing each other and not just yelling out consistently? Gosh, I actually don't know. I think I think I struggle with myself, but I think that kids do. They rule the world. Okay. And and I think that um that structure is so important that this is um supper is expected this time this is what we expect from you but there's open communication so if a child is struggling with that meal time so that there's a time they could discuss what about supper was so hard about what what would you like to change about supper time where what can we do as a family to make things better so already there the conflict is supper right so now conflict always needs a resolution so okay. now let's sit and talk about what can we do to resolve the problem of a chaotic, crazy supper time. So what are you teaching your children at that time? You're actually teaching them resolution skills. Okay, which amazing. Which is in itself a social skill. And giving mm. them like the time to talk. Because sometimes it's chaotic from a nice way. Everybody right. has a great story to share from the day. And everybody wants to the story, share the story right now, this minute. And we kind of want to make sure everybody has their t- time and their sound and their voice heard. How do we get to them? Or I'll liberate in the mm. question a bit because one of the things, one of the tools we use in um, in, in, in groups, right. okay, just an example, we give in groups is um, I, I once had a, a running group like one, like many of the groups you run, right. and I and I saw the situation, so I I took an object, and the object was going around the table, and I said, this is your microphone. When you're holding the object, you talk. Right. And everybody else is quiet. And it works beautifully. Would that work at a family meeting? At a meal? I'm struggling really? with this question. I'll tell you why. Because I struggle at home as well. We all, <laughs> I think we all struggle with this. And I think, I think if we can think of any kind of gimmicks and things that we can use to make it, make it easier to talk about, whether it could be um, we use it our family, it's, it's not your turn. Let's take turns. And that helps a lot so the child understands that when it's my turn, I can speak. When it's not my turn, I have to keep quiet. Or I'll get right to you, let I'll him get finish right first. To or let's, okay, of... you've got five minutes on the clock. Five or one minute is your turn. Then we're going to move to the next. And again, what, by doing that, you're teaching them the, the crucial skills of of connecting with another person. A crazy supper time is normal. <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. a normal thing that happens, but we need to put in place those skills. And if we are so busy with doing other things, we're not going to be giving our kids those important, crucial skills like the resolution, like the turn-taking, like um, appreciating that somebody else wants to have a turn. Exactly. You know, that's empathetic behavior. So I didn't, how can we didn't inflect it. it? No, but I, well, we're getting a sense. Yes. How can we inflect it? Would you say listening more than telling, more than talking? How can we show our kids and teach them to actually be interested in what the other person has to say? You know, the, the most important part of communication is listening much more than speaking. And if we can more model that for our children, that what, it's more important to listen to what the person is saying than to say what you have to say. And that makes the relationship much more enriching and, and satisfying. So if we can role model that to our children and we can actually show them that we're listening to what they're saying, using eye contact, stopping what we're doing, um, 
reflecting what they've said, letting them know that we've really, really heard what they've said. Okay, well, you went very fast through a lot of things. One second. Mm. Eye contact? Eye contact is huge. Okay, reflecting? Reflecting, that means, uh, yes, this is, uh, I hear this is what you want to do, or okay. you really want to go um, play soccer Kind later, of summarizing what they said. What they want. Okay. Putting up aside the things that you want to do, which is very, very hard. Okay. Um, Began. That doesn't mean putting your phone on silent. It means getting it out of sight right. completely. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, being able to um, to show empathy. What does empathy mean? Being able to put yourself into another person's shoes. So when you're able to listen to the children and to imagine how they would be, they feel in that situation. Like if a child is bored, can you put yourself in their shoes and understand what it feels like to be bored? Okay. If you are able to do that, so then handling the situation is a much easier thing to do. Right. I, mm. I want to use the time because we have we have a very short, limited time mm. left. Uh, let's emphasize a minute on empathy because I think that's a great strategy to work on during holidays. Mm. Many times we think empathy means that I know what the other person went through and I feel the same. Mm. I'm feeling the same can't always be real because we all experience differently. Right. And sometimes I want to be empathy to somebody who went through a tragedy and I never went through the tragedy. I don't know what he's feeling. So mm. how can I reflect empathy? What, how do I define empathy to our children, to our friends, to our, our spouses, any relationship, any connection? Let's define empathy in a way that's workable for everybody. So I think the best... Um, definition that I found is being able to put yourself in another person's shoes. Okay. How would I feel if I was in their situation? So I'm not imagining how they do feel, but I'm imagining how I would feel in that situation. And that is very, very um, empowering. Connect to their pain, connect to where they are, and not um, understand or replace them. Just connect to them. Right. You'll never, ever be in that situation because things are different for every person. But if you're able, even a child is bored, you you don't feel the same thing he feels. But how would you feel if you had the whole day ahead and you had nothing to do? (laughs) And I think that's an amazing point because Mm. many times parents will come to me and tell me, and I say, how's your child doing school? And they'll tell me, well, third grade was kind of okay, but then fourth grade wasn't really working. And fifth grade, we had massive issues. And I'm saying, whoa, whoa, one second, fourth grade. The first day of school. We're talking in December, uh, sorry, January 15th, 9 o'clock a.m. And we try to go minute by minute. You can't just come and say, well, fifth grade was difficult. Mm. You know how many minutes you have in fifth grade that the child was trying to avoid and struggle and deal with? And and just to connect to that point, I think, is a fascinating point. And, and, And that, just by doing that, opens up the relationship to connection. Just being able to do that. Connecting on that and understanding where the other person right. is coming. Unfortunately, mm. as Thank happens, you. our time has kind of run out. Anybody who wants to be in contact directly with you, how do they do that? Um, I think I'd give out my email address. Okay. It's Shuli, S-H-U-L-I dot Merkin, M-I-R-K-I-N at gmail.com. Okay, so mm. just once you more. Shuli dot Merkin at okay. gmail.com, S-H-U-L-I dot M-I-R-K-I-N at gmail.com. Anybody wants to be in in touch with you? I know you have amazing um, workshops, courses for all ages, boys, girls, teenagers, kids. Lots happening. Um, I've seen your work, so highly recommended. Thank Thank you you. so much for being with us on a holidays, tough time, and just for the listeners.
Thank you for the opportunity.